Hello and welcome to Cityscape's brand new podcast, Cityscape Wire, where we're taking you behind the scenes of the dynamic world of women in real estate. I'm your host, Tanisha, and if you've been following us, you know that on this podcast, we're embarking on a journey through the Middle East and North African region, unearthing the stories of trailblazing women who are redefining the real estate sector. Today, I'm sitting with Louisa Dickens, co-founder of LMRE, a global platform and search consultancy specializing in prop tech and the built environment. With operations across North America, the UK, Europe, and Asia Pacific, LMRE entered the UAE and MENA region earlier this year. Louisa tells me lessons and insights she's gained from the expansion into the region, We discuss what she calls the sheer amount of venture investment available in the market today. And we take a look at how AI is going to completely change the industry. Louisa, lovely to have you here joining us on the Cityscape Wire podcast. Um, Thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be on and I'm very excited for my first ever cityscape, first ever trip to the Middle East. And so a lot of firsts for me on this podcast. Well, let's talk about LMRE. What's the story behind it? It's UK based. It's the first global prop tech recruitment specialist company. I mean, what impact has it created in the market there? Well, we'll start off with the story behind it. And it starts with me and my co-founder, Richard Lloyd. And our background was traditional real estate recruitment. And back in 2018, we decided to completely leave behind that business and pivot to become the first global built environment talent search consultancy for technology providers within the built environment. This pivot came at a good time. Obviously, COVID happened. There was an increase in digitalization, which we've seen globally of the US first and across Europe. And we've seen it obviously flow into sort of APAC and Middle East. This pivot basically allowed us to meet the new digital and ESG focused skill demands for our real estate clients. They could be a Blackstone, a Brookfield. It could be an MRI, a Yardie, or uh, some obviously new emerging uh, tech businesses, whether it's sort of brands of IoT like Wisecourt or leasing like BTS around whatever, maybe a contact like open space to really help them hire the best uh, technical and commercial talent. Now, we are obviously UK based. Our headquarters is in London, which you can tell from my accent, but we've rapidly expanded across EMEA. We've got an office in New York. About 50% of our business is there due to, you know, higher and more investment, faster growth, adoption, higher appetite for risk. We then opened up in Singapore a couple of years ago and two months ago at uh, the Middle East. Our office is in Dubai, looking to uh, open up an office in Saudi. But um, I think it's really been a great journey because what obviously what we do day to day, we help attract the best talent and place within these uh, companies. But also I think it's so important to help clients understand like how to launch in different markets. I've learned so much about the difference between, say, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, there's completely different cultural nuances. If you compare that to, say, New York, London, between markets, completely different salaries. There's different uh, things which employees are looking for. It's very difficult to retain people as well. So we've actually got a salary report coming out, which will be out in September, which I'm looking forward to sharing at Cityscape, which is, I think, very, very important. And 
looking at everything that's going on in the Middle East, talent is definitely going to be a hot topic as they look to, well, build various mega cities, giga cities, <laughs> and really push forward with the digitalization boom. You mentioned that you guys are expanding in the Middle East or have expanded already into Dubai. What brought about that move and, and how was the business doing so far? It's been good. Uh, everyone in the Middle East, across the different markets, the Middle East, obviously there's so many different parts of the region. Everyone has been very forthcoming. Everyone seems to be open to a conversation, which has actually been the easiest market for me to sort of do my research and meet uh, some sort of key people in it, which I've really, really enjoyed. But I guess for the listeners listening in, what brought on the move? Well, for those who are looking at getting into, say, looking at the Middle East, either you're launching or growing, the Middle East has undergone notable transformations, primarily actually to the increased infusion of technology across diverse economic domains in the area. All this rise of property is basically signifying the integration of technology within the real estate sector, which has allowed you know new ways of property acquisition, sales, rentals, investment and management across the region. What I've learned is the sheer amount of venture investment in the markets, whether it's obviously through VCs, obviously the huge amount of private governmental funds, family offices, angel investors, and a lot of uh, money, you know, investors coming from North America, Europe, looking to sort of set up there. I read a stat that Saudi Arabian startups alone secured a remarkable, I hope this quote is right, it's 987 million across 144 deals representing a 70% funding increase from 2021. And so it made sense for us to find our incredible MENA director, Vish, which I'm delighted he's joined. And he's really going to be sort of pushing it forward. And what I also learned, which obviously, as you can tell, uh, those listening in, I've been doing a huge amount of research on this because obviously we're a recruitment firm. But there's another crazy stat, which in Dubai, as an example, 70% of the population are under the age of 40. Oh, which means. There's obviously with that, there's a huge amount of talent, working talent with also an appetite for inventive technology oriented solutions. Also, those who want to get in a digital company, those uh, countries in an aging population um, will not have this access to sort of sort of super sort of prime talent, which I found a really interesting stat because it's super important. Um, especially say if we're looking at certain industries like construction, which have an aging and a lot of people that are, you know, retiring, which actually becomes a big problem. So for a region to digitalize, it's so important there is that access to talent. Yeah, so that's what we're super excited about. And then if you're looking at how the Middle East real estate market is apparently expected to expand, it's by over 111% over the next five years. And technology is going to be a huge huge driver behind this. So we're super excited. Well, that explains why you guys are migrating to this market, especially a recruitment global specialist that really shows that there's such a demand in this prop tech space for you guys to actually fit in. So that's really exciting. You mentioned that you did a lot of research when it comes to shifting to the Middle East. What are some of the biggest prop tech trends specific to this region that you've seen? When we say prop tech, so when we first started LMRE, we called it partners in prop tech. I'm really trying to stay away from that. <laughs> when we say prop tech, we're sort of saying built environment innovation. Within that, there's prop tech, there's contact, there's climate tech, smart tech. And if you think, say, obviously the kingdom has, is it the 2030 vision? They've invested there. Uh, right. They're putting in about 500 billion pounds investment into whether it's 
NEON, the Red Sea project, and so forth, which is meant to create about 1.3 million housing units. Now, how are they going to do that? Well, it's a lot of it is going to be through construction technology. We've seen various businesses, whether it's like Plan Radar, Open Space, Proco, all sort of expand over there to basically set it up for all the construction to make it efficient and easy. But then once they're built, you obviously got to manage them. You've got to operate them. So that's what come, that's when you sort of bring this, the smart tech coming in. So ESG is high on every developer's sort of agendas, and then the climate tech sort of comes in. And I don't really know where, like, to say there's a specific trend. Honestly, it's just the full cycle which needs to be um, looked in. We've seen you know, certain VCs covering the different areas, like, well, PropTech Ventures launched you know, their £26.7 million VC fund to look across the spectrum of innovation going on within the built environment. So to say a particular trend would be very, very difficult to touch on. Well, they could say, actually, if there is one, I mean, everyone's talking about it, so I might as well. You've got AI. Um, there's a annual growth rate at the moment. It's 20 to 34%. I mean, a region by 2030. So I'm sure we're going to sort of touch on that later. But AI is going to completely change the way we run our industry and it's, it's exciting. It's slightly terrifying. I guess the positives are it enhances efficiency, and that's at the core of you know, what mm-hmm. the project's trying to achieve. So whether you are an investor, you're an agent, you're a broker, you're a property manager, day-to-day activities of real estate professional have been largely automated through various CRMs and real estate-based project management software platforms. Say so if you look at agents, real estate automations help them form ongoing and probably I'd say fairly mundane tasks. And I'll say that because my first job was as a agent in London. So whether that be evaluations, communication, marketing, so forth, you can make it so much more efficient. And this leads agents ultimately to bring on new business, network and do the job at hand and ultimately make more money. And if you look at, say, on the investment side, these systems and software solutions help them to analyze deals, buy and sell properties and manage their rental in a manner that's basically was previously unattainable a few years ago it's all about saving time and one thing I will say for those who might be listening into this or watching any reading any of the terrifying news about robots and everything (laughs) taking over the world like and as a recruiter there is still such a demand for those softer skills and at Cityscape I'm going to be speaking on a few panels with some incredible women about the importance of these softer skills People will still need customer service. People still want to talk to a human being. Ultimately, AI, robots, virtual reality, they will definitely play a part. But people still want to be looked after. They want to like speak to people. And so whether it's like account management, customer success, business development, there's going to be a huge amount of growth and demand for those roles. So, you know, AI is definitely a trend, but we're going to still need the people and the top talent. Exactly. I'm so glad you mentioned that because you are absolutely right. There's such fear mongering going around when it comes to robots and AI that will completely upend and disrupt your industry. So I'm so glad that you mentioned that, you know, together with AI and then your softer skills, it's still needed in order to, you know, build a better built environment. But so on the topic of AI, it's massive here in the in the Middle East. A lot of countries are just, you know, using it as, as as blueprints within their bigger mission to diversify away from oil. Have you noticed that in this region it is being heightened quite a lot compared to compared to other regions in the world that you are working on? 
Um, yeah, I would say that. But I also, you know, we mentioned about all the investment going into creating these smart cities. I think Abu Dhabi is definitely one of the cities in the Middle East that is known for being at the forefront of the prop tech AI revolution. You know, not only is the government putting, you know, a lot of money, you know, initiatives into it to basically push forward it. So I would say there's, you know, that is definitely important to highlight. And, you know, what is great, because I think, you know, let's stay on Abu Dhabi, I think that city really understands the full scope of utilising this sort of um, technology and the long-term benefits it can bring back to the country. I think if you, you know, some other real estate players in the region are sort of really um, investing into it as well. And I think you need to try stuff before you, you know, judge it. There's, um, you know, a prop tech developer, you know, advanced real estate services. They've launched a couple of platforms, one called Quanta and Dari in 2022. And there's so many bets, like benefits of it. It's effectively, say, Quanta, it's a data-driven digital solution that works in establishing accurate and comprehensive reports, which obviously everyone sort of wants, right? Because uh, our data is not too accurate when it comes down to real estate that's just old and yeah old legacy systems and it also helps generate dashboards that are easy to process and use by the end user which god everyone wants that right so this can help out with um transactions real estate supply financing solutions and just general overall performance and then if you look at the other solution called Dari, and i'm really hoping i'm pronouncing this correctly this sort of tackles the cybersecurity issue which you know is you know and safeguards consumers against yes. scams you know, fake agents, all this stuff. Think how much money uh, is wasted. And these solutions can really sort of help tackle just with like accurate data. The diary basically acts as a one-stop shop for investors, buyers, which allows them to handle all the real estate operations, leases, sales, to create effective, correct dashboards. And I mentioned about the government's been looking at this, but it's not just the government, it's the private sector as well which is great to say, I guess, whether they're sort of collaborating, but also on on the same mission. There's various firms in Abu Dhabi who are also supporting these startups, you know, and it's important to offer these accelerators. Like, I'm sure everyone in the Middle East will know, obviously, Aldar and those who don't. It's one of the leading real estate developers and managers in Abu Dhabi, and they've launched different accelerated programs with other partners, um, for example, like Hub71, and it's really good because you need to do this and it really helps push forward, you know, innovation projects across different real estate sectors, such as Provis, which is effectively it's a property management system, which helps with sales, leasing and everything like that. So all these things will attract some of our clients in the US, APAC, EMEA to really, you know, look at the Middle East in terms of launching. Like, why wouldn't you? If the government, the private sector investing in, you know, the, the big developers, huge amounts of capital and all these products have want to trial this technology, you know, it's no surprise that, say, a business like Husby, you know, which is only found in 2020's rate, it has and is sort of growing at the scale is. It's just a super exciting time. And I use Abu Dhabi as an example because... I'm fascinated by it. I haven't even, you know, I'm about to go to the Middle East and go explore all these uh, smart cities. And it's great, especially in the last, I guess the last few years have, you know, we, we might have seen a slight slowdown digitalization. The economy has been tough globally, but the Middle East has been very, very resilient. So they look to pivot um, from just being reliant on oil and gas. So those listening in, if you are, you know, you are looking at launching, I think, 
huge appetite for digitalization from both the private and government sector in various parts of the Middle East. I mean, Louisa, you touched on such a good point there, just the rapid acceleration of digitization within the property sector that we've been seeing over the last few years. And I mean, you guys have taken notice of it with, uh, you know, that it's happening at such a quick pace in the Middle East. So I'm glad you're actually, it, it is actually being <laughs> being marketed worldwide that the Middle East is, is progressing at such an accelerated rate when it comes to technology within real estate. You mentioned earlier, just to pivot back, that you mentioned you try and stay away from the word prop tech. Can I just touch on that and, and, and ask why? Truthfully, when we first started going into it, people just thought it was very much like anything, like say how you sort of run a property, a lot of people thought it was like property management. Now, obviously, there's been a shift in investment to other areas, like say around construction technology, and lots of people in the construction technology space don't see themselves in the property technology space. And the same people in, say, the climate tech or you could say clean tech space don't see themselves as a prop tech the same way loads of fintechs don't see themselves as a prop tech. But if you're a mortgage platform or an investment platform, you technically are fintech. So it's basically to avoid our clients thinking we're not pigeonholing them and also understanding that it's within the wider built environment. I had to ask because that term is thrown around now and with just conflicting terms coming up within technology, it's always good to break that down because there's just so many terms that you have to constantly keep up with. So yes, I'm glad I'm glad you broke that down for us. This is Cityscape Wire. Moving on to just mentorship. I mean, you're involved with some amazing mentorship programs around the world. Uh, you're a mentor for Reach and for Bricks. Can you tell us more about this and just why it's so important? Yeah, I, well, I think to be honest, I'm. I've got I've got an amazing co-founder. He is. Uh, he's been an amazing mentor to me, and I have a lot to thank him for. Whether it's even backing me and everything like this to grow this business, but when I first started out in 2018, I was pretty fresh out of my first job out of university and building a business as a fan I heavily relied on so many people around me I'm never afraid to sort of ask a question but I had a huge amount of people who um, I asked to help me out and did a huge amount of mentorship now that's just shout out to the people like say Michael Beckham at my Amanda Dace who gave me time introductions when I went to New York and I think that's really important for people to get the time of day now, what I've learned over the years, it's where it's also, I think everyone wants to meet as many people as they can and help uh, as many people as they can develop as they can. If you, everyone does the same thing, then we're all going to grow and develop together. Being part of the REACH mentorship, it doesn't take that much time. They have an accelerator sort of once a year. You do a workshop online, help people with uh, understanding different market salaries, how to track people. Like it, Also, at the end of the day, if you can help them, they're going to help you. I think people who can't give people 20 minutes of their day, I think we'd be in a very sort of sad, sad, selfish world. I also think like mentorships is part of it. There's other things which, you know, I'm the power of, um, say, social sponsorship. So saying to someone who might have, you know, I was lucky enough to go to uni. I mean, why even bother going because I'm in recruitment? Like it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, for the best use of my time, I think experience in certain industries is far more important. But I've realized over the years and having some incredible relationships and people backing me, I would not be in the place I am unless they said, hey, you should meet with Lou. This is her business. Give her a try. Like that social sponsorship is important. And I think the more people go to these 
events where it's like cityscape you meet and go speak to like say the movers and shakers the sport leaders have some good in-depth conversations and then they actually say you know what that person listen I understand what their product is or their service I actually think they could help xyz and say to whoever you want to meet obviously look have a chat with Luke, have a chat like that's so important and unless you don't have you know you're lucky enough to be able to go to these events have access to these communities it's actually quite hard especially when a lot of people are doing remote working so I think that's important and then yeah I mean there's so many things I can touch and as you can tell I'm fairly sort of passionate about getting everyone um, yeah. I guess at equal access which is you know it's not felt by everyone exactly well I love that you used that phrase social sponsorship because it <laughs> it's 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 wonderful that you know mentorship can be can be like this, you know, no, no matter where you are globally, just to spend 20 minutes of your day teaching others what you've learned from your career or even what, you know, for other people to really help you along this this journey that you have. I think for so long, we've been so insular in, in careers and all of a sudden, you know, mentorship for the last, for over the last few years have just, is just cropping up and you're realizing the benefits to it. So, I mean, spe- specifically with Reach and Bricks though, um, like, how how many people do you mentor? How uh, how exactly does it work within this organization? Are you constantly talking to them on a daily basis? No, it honestly is like you put you offer your service out there. They can reach out to you. Like for Reap, they have accelerated. They do some incredible workshops for um, their portfolios, and it's down to the founders if they want to attend or not. The same thing with Bricks. You're you know you're on this. Um, you're part of the community, your services are there, when they reach out, you respond. It's literally, it's not like you have to put that much hard work in, but you have to, you know, put yourself forward and say, hey, you know what, I want to be involved in this. And I said to Skylet and Reach and as Valentine and uh, anyone who's in this space, I'd urge, you know, put yourself forward because everyone's looking for help. Everyone, you know, everyone's got a different special skill, service or bit of help. Uh, education they can offer to someone so if you do want to sort of, also it's great for personal brand you can learn so much from these founders as well I think I've learned so much from all the founders and some clients I've met and people I've mentored for so it really doesn't take that much time you just have to put the feelers out and create the own your own opportunity for yourself and with say Bricks for example I met Savan who um set it up a few years ago this was during COVID and it's been great because there's a huge, for me, you know, there's a huge amount of incredible founders technologies coming out of the um, Israel community. And it's been a journey helping them to launch in different markets. You know, they a lot of them, one of the first stop is, you know, the US market. That's what my business does. It helps people launch and find, say, their COO, their CPO, their CEO for the US, for the UK, for whatever it is. So it's also a commercial thing for me as well. Mixing two things in one. No, I mean, that, I mean, that is the way to go. <laughs> Looking at um, property technology, female investors, I mean, globally, the rise of female investors and female led VCs are increasing rapidly. But I mean, there's just so much work that still needs to be done. For instance, I came across the statistics that last year, 1% of VC funding went to women in the UAE alone. I mean, what are some of the roadblocks that still exist? And I mean, how are you seeing the industry currently? Is it is it changing? What bridges do we need to close? You know what? I actually thought about this and my first thought wasn't the most sort of positive. 
if you take the lens or the stat, which you just sort of shared, which I guess you could say is slightly um, a leading question, then <laughs> uh, we take this lens, focus on easy, funny for women, women-led startups as an example, the landscape we're living in is, isn't one of equal opportunity, uh, despite it often being posted that, like, of course there are changes happening. You know, I think also lots of our clients, you know, they're hiring a lot of sort of um, global women into the investment space as well, which helps the use of conscious bias but many would argue that the VC industry is still a bit of an old boys club and it limits women's access to networks and connections that are critical for deal flow and investment opportunities and I do have some of um, VCs asking for introductions to female founders and lists which we have provided before um, but I think it's important to touch on you know unconscious bias can really affect investment decisions like everyone has unconscious bias whether you like it or not, I think this is almost like the first step admitting it. We do a lot of training on unconscious bias. And when I first set up my business, I looked around and I could definitely say it wasn't a very diverse uh, team. I've completely changed it now. I have a huge help from, I guess, learning from, you know, how to hire diverse people, how to make an inclusive environment, you know, but this is also with the help of you know, a lot of training, you know, marketing, Huge help from shout out to Mede, who's our head of HR, head of people, head of the world. But this is unconscious bias going back to the investment side. It's, you know, it leads to a preference as founders that fit traditional stereotypes of success. I think as our sphere looks towards a more diverse future, it doesn't make sense to base logical investment proceedings on the past examples of men's success, men's success and women had a less equitable platform than they did they do now. So I think it's important to have women who have had success and beaten the status quo to stand up as a testament, as a mentor, you know, give social capital, like I spoke, be a role model. You've got, obviously, there's a whole day um, at Cityscape, which is involving women to talk about their journeys. Um, And obviously, we had a prep call for one of them with Raneem and um, Sylvia. Yes, and I can't wait for that. And Raneem says, she was saying, you know what, like, so every so many people talk about the negative things about being a woman in this space. But let's talk about the positives. And I completely, completely agree with her. Like I've had so many opportunities because as a female founder, now I have never gone out to get investment. However, I do think there's a you know there's a huge opportunity when you are raising capital that it is a positive thing. I think there's, and it's the same thing for when businesses are looking to hire obviously a lot of people struggle especially in real estate technology struggle to get you know a diversity more sages even more women balance in their businesses but people don't talk about like there's so many stats to show that women are obviously we talk about soft skills naturally have um uh, better softer skills that comes in account management customer success and, uh, and so forth that you know what it actually if you're good at that job you work hard you will definitely rise through the ranks quicker so I know I've gone from investment to actually, I guess, more on the general sort of talent side, but I started off answering this question fairly negatively, but um, I'm very proud to be a female founder. I feel like I've had a lot of access to introductions from being a female founder, from some incredible men and women who have given me the rights of introductions, given me a chance. So I think if you put yourself out there, work hard, you know, like yet again, go speak to the go to the events then it can actually be very fruitful it's all about how your approach to life 
No, that's so good. That's su- that's such great advice to take it from yeah a, a negative question or you know negative outlook, and then to of course include a positive spin. But I I, I do think over the next few years, these statistics will hopefully reflect you know your answer. I mean that's 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 great though because can't get much worse than one percent, can it? <laughs> I can't. It really, really can't. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's do some uh, rapid fire questions. So, one piece of advice that made an impact on your career, Louisa? Not that I have anything against recruitment, but I didn't dream about uh, being a recruiter. My family are property, they're consultants. Um, so, I think a big thing is like have a path, be flexible. I think it's super important. Also, I run a recruitment business, it's super important for people to have a general career path. And you should be led ultimately by your passion or your interest. I mean, it's, you spend so much time at work, sadly. Um, but it's, you know, it's important to enjoy it. And I think a really key thing is to build relationships along that path. But ultimately, you know, a lot of people you meet, you know, they'll inspire you. And I think you should be willing to accept, you know, the career you wanted to go down might ultimately not be the one for you. It will create challenges. And a lot of these people and some of these challenges and obstacles may lead you down different paths. So I think just being flexible with that and just going with it, as long as you try your best and focus at things for a certain amount of time, then things will work out. And my second one, which is something I really, really like lead by, because you know when you're growing a business in different markets and any fan are listening into this, there's so many hitbacks. People don't know who you are. They don't give you the time of day. When you're not in front of people. It's a bloody nightmare. So a big one I always say is when you get knocked down, don't stay down, get back up. Nothing good is going to happen as long as you're down on yourself. So the key to life is optimism and resilience. So I always think, why why be down when you can be up? So that's a big thing I live by. That is great advice. It leads into the next question. Advice for young professionals when just starting out in the property tech career uh, world, particularly for women. Yeah, Good question. And you know what? When you said that to me, I asked, um, I have some incredible people with my team at LMRE and a huge shout out to all the girls <laughs> that really helped grow the business. I'm actually in the office now looking at a few of them and they just, they're amazing. So I asked them, you know, how, how have they felt and what were their challenges and what advice would they give? And they're like, be confident, believe in your skills and knowledge. Don't be afraid to voice your ideas and opinions. So I think that's super important. And hopefully those are sitting in an environment where that, you know, that is welcome. Um, network, so important to build a strong professional network within the prop tech and real estate industry. Attend conferences, meetups, connect and mentors. I'm all for flexibility in the workplace, but you don't, and going back to this whole relationship things, unless you're in front of people, you do not build the same sort of relationships. You don't absorb the same sort of information. People are way more forthcoming when they get to know the real you and they can trust you. A couple more things is, you know, continuous learning, stay updated with technological advancements and industry trends. You need to read. People, I think, spend too much time <laughs> watching TV. God, don't get me wrong, I love a Netflix yes. series, but I'm apparently like, what I've learned about just the Middle East in two months has honestly not only have I found it obviously it's been great for the business but it's been super empowering continuing to push and learn about different cultures different regions different investments you're learning about bloody everything politics the economy so you know enhance your skills and don't be um don't just sit back because someone else will take will you know will come past you but then equally saying that get a work-life balance I travel a lot I have drained myself I run myself push myself to the limit 
and I think it's very important to manage you know exercise eating well and spending time with your friends and family that will ultimately give you the biggest happiness so that's that's a little bit what I would get a few bits of advice but like I said I'm definitely not perfect that's great advice though that really is a great answer and finally a city from around the world that you believe best exemplifies a tech empowered prop tech hub if you will yeah well you know what i said this i said this earlier i really think abu dhabi from what i haven't even been there it's just what i've bloody read about it and <laughs> i think what it is creating is a full digital transformation ecosystem within real estate so not only obviously the government's investing in it, you know, so many family offices, private investors are putting so much money, time into it. So that's where I would say is probably a, you know, a huge hub. You've obviously got the future. If we're looking at other, if you say smart cities, we could look at the say sustainable cities, you can look at the likes, of course, Copenhagen and Denmark. They are way in advance when it comes down to that sustainability piece. But for me, the one I've learned about recently is Abu Dhabi, and that's what my answer is going to be. Yeah, it's so true. Oh, excellent. Oh, Louisa, thank you so much for joining us. You've imparted so, so much wisdom. So I think our listeners would really appreciate this one from our WIRE community. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then tune in every month where we'll be speaking to inspiring women from all walks of life and at various stages of their careers exploring their challenges and uncovering the secrets behind their success. Join us where we'll be breaking down barriers and bridging gaps in the world of real estate. This is Cityscape Wire.